Hello and welcome back to the Valencia Property Podcast. And this month on the VP Pod, we are finishing our Valencia story about the financial crisis, bringing you up to date with the market and how it's developed after the flatlining in the years following 2008 up until 2014. That was in the last episode. Anyway, that's to come later. First though, we're going to talk about what has happened with the Campanar fire and the consequences. We have a Q&A with some of our team about certain aspects of their interactions with clients and experiences working in Valencia property. So if you're interested in Valencia, then you'll know what happened on the 22nd of February in the city. A building constructed in 2005 burnt down. It was covered with a cladding similar to that on Grenfell in the UK. And that, allied to a howling wind with gusts up to 60 kilometers an hour, meant that the whole building was ablaze within an hour. There were 10 deaths, there were quite a few injuries, mostly for smoke inhalation, and there will be consequences both short and long term in terms of safety, cladding and inspections of current and future buildings. It's at this point that we reaffirm our commitment to the type of property we sell. We generally don't do these high tower new build properties, especially those built in the tail end of the property boom of the early 2000s. There are reasons for this, but previously we didn't include safety as one of them. Size, price per square meter, location and local amenities and facilities are just some of them. The types of property we sell generally don't have cladding. They're traditional brick or block buildings and those with painted or tiled frontages. They're medium rise rather than high rise with the odd exception and they're more central or near to the beach rather than on the periphery like this type of building. We're much more likely to sell a classic facade building in Insanche rather than a new build in the development areas. However, we do currently have a sale going through very near to where this fire happened. We let the client know immediately, of course, and they decided they'd still be going through with it. We were also asked about what to look out for to avoid, or at least to reduce the chances of this happening. Firstly, properties that don't have cladding built between 2000 and 2006 are key. However, if you want to avoid the chances of a catastrophic fire in any house or flat, then the installation of smoke alarms, sprinklers, and reducing the amount of junk in a place is important. An electrical audit is useful, and regular gas inspections if your property has either town or bottled gas. Also, I'd suggest it's not a great idea to start an indoor barbecue, however nicely you smoke your meat. We do get that question, by the way. Can I have a barbecue on my terrace? To change the mood a bit, we'll move on to the Q&A. I thought it'd be fun to drop a few questions to our team about their experience in the market. Their answers are quite illuminating, I think. So as mentioned on the podcast, uh, a quick Q&A with people. First, we've got Dave. And first question, Dave, who's your ideal client? Okay, um, my ideal client is somebody who gets in contact well in advance. I put a few days aside. They send me very specific what they want. And then when they arrive and when they've done a few viewings, are willing to maybe change their requirement or realize that what they expected to find might not happen. We also get lots of clients who say, I'm definitely not going to renovate. And then they come and see the apartments and say, I'm definitely now going to renovate. And it's that kind of flexibility that we need from people who, they need guidance. So it's somebody who's just going to take the advice on board. So somebody who's flexible, really. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Okay, what's the worst thing a buyer can do? Probably uh, before arriving, contact five or six agents 
inquiring about individual properties, which is what obviously what we're here for to dodge the bullets and the to to filter a lot of these properties that are worth looking at, and then saying. I've only got a couple of hours this day and a couple of hours that day in the afternoon because it's obvious that they're already seeing three or four different agents thinking they're not necessarily being clever but saving themselves some time and they're only going to see the best ones. Well, we're all showing the same properties, so you might as well deal with one agent who knows what they're doing rather than six who it's all conflicting. Okay. And what's the best thing they can do? The best thing is, yeah, Stick to your guns and have faith in your agent that they're going to do the job for you and they're going to represent your best interest rather than approaching probably the, the vendor's agent and they're not really representing anybody in these kind of situations. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's your favourite district in Valencia? Well, apart from where I live to the towards the zoo, the Campanile area, which obviously has been in the news recently, um, most or where I would choose to live if it wasn't for my lifestyle options and children at school, et cetera, et cetera, it's probably Pechina, very close to the city centre. And it's a normal neighbourhood where it's not too, let's say, bougie or too expat kind of community. And obviously, if you've got the budget, I would definitely say Granville for me would be, not with children maybe, but to retire is a very nice area to live. So Granville and Sanchez, that's all area. Yeah. yeah, just because you've got all the restaurants and the bars and everything to hand and you're very close to the riverbed, which is obviously number one in Blenton. Okay. So if you had to live, for example, like me in the suburbs, which uh, town would you choose? I think, but just because we know these areas very well, I've already, I've already always liked Nakeda for views. And it's a big enough town that doesn't die in the winter. And none of these towns do, to be honest. Naked is good, solid, Spanish, nicely, and nice and high, nice temperature in the summer. It's a little bit cooler because it's a, fairly above sea level. And again, if you've got the right budget, Nayan is probably number one. Okay. What's the most satisfying sale you've made and why? Probably when you think, oh, there's nothing left to see and then all of a sudden you join the dots and you find the one property that you know the client is really going to go for and you feel like you've you your decision or you, you vindicate or validates what you do that you've actually been there been able to find the one that they've gone for in the end and you and also when it, you feel that they've got a good deal and they haven't been held over a barrel to to, to make an offer on a property that i probably would say well it might be a bit expensive maybe but when you get exactly the right one for exactly the right client, it's the most satisfying thing. And what's your number one tip for anyone buying in Valencia? Do you go right before you arise and definitely find the areas that you're interested in rather than, you know, we get the uh, people who send us links and they're all, they go from pillar to post thinking that, well, maybe here, maybe there. If you don't actually know where you want to be, location is key. And there's no point sending me something which is 40 minutes to the north of the city and then 40 minutes to the south of the city just because you like to look at the photos. Okay, and finally, on a personal level, do you enjoy what you do? I do when we can find what we what we need to find and when we can help the clients. It's a bit frustrating at the moment because there's, there's things are moving very quickly. It's this time of year where we're really super busy and really active, but it's good because every day is different and, and you learn something every, every single day or every single week. There's always something happening. Okay, thanks for that. No worries. So we've done this with Dave. Let's also do it with Gavin. Yeah. Some questions. Who is your ideal client? 
my ideal client. Someone who reads the emails I send them yep. and listens to what I say. Do they answer those emails? Yeah, they can answer them. It's not, sometimes they answer and you know they haven't read them. It's just, you know, somebody who does the background, does the preparation. So when they arrive here, ready to hit the ground running and you don't end up repeating things 10 times. Okay. So that sort of leads on to the next thing, which is what's the worst thing a buyer can do? Start an argument with you based on something they read on a Facebook group and they think they know more than you. It's always a Facebook group and it's always a Facebook group. Yeah. What's the best thing they can do then? Don't start arguments. <laughs> no, no. I'm going to say very generally, have a sense of humor mm -hmm. because it can be weird out there sometimes. And yep. when you have a client who's got a good sense of humor and is willing to laugh at things, especially if things go against you a bit, it can be much more enjoyable. And it's about having, you know, it's about enjoying the time with the client as well. You, yeah. Okay. Where's your favorite district of Valencia? I'm going to say district I know very well. It's not the one you think I'm going to say, but it's very close. Trinidad. Thats. Okay. Tell me about our why. Which is the little strip that runs between where the tram line comes down to Ponte Fusta on the riverbed. And it's bordered on the other side by Viveros Park. Mm -hmm. It's really, really close to the city center. All you have to do is walk across the riverbed. Tram to the beach runs through it. Airport Metro runs through it. And it's it's really Spanish. It's really Valencian. Not too many tourists, but it's because it's so close to the center that I really like it. I think it's an overlooked area. And mm -hmm. not a whole lot of property coming up there. Might be something very soon. Keep your eyes open. But for the moment. It, it is quite small though, isn't it? So no yeah, much games up there because of that. Strip, yeah, yeah. Strip, yeah, but it is. Well, I had a client there two or three days ago and loved it, loved it, but could only show them one thing there because yeah. there just isn't the property there at the moment. Yeah. So which town in the suburbs would you choose to live in? I'm not really a kind of a villa with a pool kind of guy, so it would be a town. It would be in the town. And something with a bit of character. I'm going to say Burkasat, even though I don't know it really well, but I always get a good feel from Burkasat when I go there. So I'll say that. Is that also to do with the proximity to the city? Yeah, it's really kind of part of the city, isn't it? I mean, I'm kind of cheating a small it's bit, funny, maybe, but not really outside. outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it does have its own identity. Yeah. You know, you do get a different feel when you go there than you do to some other... There's other places as close, Albaraya and stuff, but they don't really have that feel of, yeah, I feel like I'm somewhere maybe close to the city, but different at the same time. Okay. Uh, what's the most satisfying sale you've made and why? It's hard to pick out one, but... Because you've never made one? Start so many. <laughs> but uh, a sale where you kind of look back and you kind of go either because something went against you and you, you kind of feel like if, if if I hadn't been there, it mightn't have happened. Mm -hmm. You know, where you really make a difference. You feel like I made yeah. a difference in that. Could be sorting out a problem. But actually the most satisfying one is early on in the, in the procedure when you find a property that maybe the the, the clients wouldn't have considered mm -hmm. you take them to it and they go yes this is it and you really feel like yeah I'm actually doing my job because, because you know they, you've listened to exactly you've listened to them you've, you've, you've kind of maybe you knew what they want even more than they themselves mm -hmm. until they actually see it and that's when you feel yeah I, I made a difference there I found them something that they wouldn't have yeah and they just walk in and go yeah, yeah yeah this is what this is it this yeah this is it exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your number one tip for anyone buying in Valencia I say this to people a lot my number one tip is don't get incompetence confused with maliciousness or malevolence. Okay, go out. Yeah, I know. It's a funny one. As as we do visits, and especially once we put in an offer and the procedure starts and we kind of move through the buying process, you, you come across, not everyone does their job maybe as well as you would like them to. You're very dependent on other people doing their job. It could be other agents. It could be owners. It could be, it could be anybody in the process. 
And if you kind of come at this with a little bit of a kind of um, a paranoid point of view, and you think everyone's out to screw you all the time and everyone's out to get you, you can start to see badness where there is none. Very often it's just yeah. people not doing their job very well. And often, like I mentioned earlier, having a sense of humor and laughing at the, these things can make it all much smoother. So I would say that to people. Go into it with a positive attitude and think that everyone is trying to, then maybe not trying to do their best, but certainly has good intentions. Okay, fair, fair enough. And finally, uh, do you enjoy what you do? Yeah, I do. I'm very grateful for it. I work with my friends. I get to pick my own hours. I meet people from all over the world. Um, and I'm outside a lot. So yeah, I do. I love it a lot. I'm very grateful for it. We get to see a lot of different things, don't we? Yeah, and you meet a lot of different people of, of all sorts, all sorts, as well as our clients. When we go out, we meet owners. You know, you get to meet so many different people. There can't be too many jobs where you're constantly meeting new people. I'm constantly adding contacts to my telephone book on my phone. You know, it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's good. I do, I do enjoy that part of it, yeah. Okay, cool. We'll speak with, uh, we're going to speak with Paul later, and I think he might disagree here about uh, Albert I have. <laughs> That's a bit about enjoying, enjoying meeting people. <laughs> no, he actually mentioned to me, we're counting Albert outside the city or not in these, you know. Yeah, he's going to say he likes Albert I, I got the feeling he might do that. I don't know. Uh, I was thinking about Albrea, but because I really like, obviously, Port Supplier, not to everyone's taste, but it's nice. It has, mm-hmm. it has also um, the Patacona. So it's got the beach. Mm-hmm. If you count that as part of Albrea, yeah. yeah. But the town itself is a bit meh. I think that's what he's going to say. Because <laughs> we've got a great house coming up in Albrea. Fair enough. Okay, cool. Okay, so we talked to um, Dave, we talked to Gavin, and we got Paul as well. So, a few questions. Sure. Hi. Who's your ideal client? Ideal client. I think, okay, obviously you get these great clients who come over and they know exactly what they want. You already have a short list of uh, properties prepared for them. You go through them and they choose one. So, obviously, they're the ideal clients. But even the clients who are just open with you and they're willing to listen to you and let you kind of take on your advice basically someone who's willing to listen and willing to trust. Okay, well, that, that goes on to the next thing. What's the worst thing a buyer can do, in your opinion? Um, the worst thing, probably, uh, is just, yeah, they need to show kind of trust in us. They're coming over. They're, they're, you do get clients who don't seem to trust anything in, or anyone over here. And my, I always think, well, why are you coming here? If you're coming here thinking everyone's trying to scam you, mm-hmm. You're never going to be happy here. Do they don't. tend to be from a particular country? Uh, they're from everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I always think they're Brits. I don't know. No, it's... Um, I think it's Brits because of the the reputation of state agents. Maybe. it could. That could be it. That could be it. Yeah. Because Americans, for example, they work in a different way and they work with the realtor. Yeah. And therefore they tend to trust the realtor because they've chosen they the realtor. Chose, yeah. The buyer's agent system yeah. they have over there is similar to what we use here. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Possibly. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, people who are coming over and like as soon as they get off the plane, they're already thinking like everyone's trying to get just bleed their money out of them. Yeah, yeah, they're not great. Yeah. Okay. So, what's the best thing that they can do for you? Uh, I think I just answered that in the first one. Actually, just be open and be upfront. Let me know what they're looking for, and we can go from there. That's all, really. You don't okay. need to do much more. Right. So, what's your favorite district of Valencia? Money, no object. Probably over by 
Alameda Exposition direction. That's I, I really do like that area. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because I'm getting different areas from everyone in the book. Okay, yeah. and kind of with it, let's say I, I, I love Pacina actually. Pacina. Yeah, yeah, I really do. I love that. Yeah, and the thing is with Pacina, it's not you need to have tons of money to be oh, it's reasonably it, priced. It's like. affordable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right on the riverbed. You lose some. There's all, there always seems to be people out in the street. There's life. There's it just seems to be a neighborhood where there's a lot of young people, families, everything, and yeah. Okay. Well, the next one's an interesting one because which town in the suburbs would you choose to live in? Um, suburbs. Like if Alboraya counts as a suburb, it's five minutes from Valencia, but it's a nice. The old town of Alboraya is really nice. That would be one. Silla, which is oh, one I yeah. I got to see last year. I thought it was really I was impressed with it, uh-huh. and it's ten minute train journey from from yeah. Valencia. It's a bit more, a bit further out, but for example, if you go to Albaraya, mm. the the old town of Albaraya is basically an extension of Valencia. Yeah, yeah. It's even walking distance, really. I mean, it's it. Probably... Well, you're gonna have to sell it because Gav's just dissed it totally when I'm starting to win. I wonder why. Where <laughs> does he live? <laughs> They're neighbours. It's like Springfield and Shelby. But... <laughs> okay. Um, What's the most satisfying sale you've made and why? God, that was one of the... I, I did not have that one prepared. Um, the most satisfying? I don't know, is there one in particular? Yeah. Because there are so... I mean, they really are all different. Some of them some of them will give you sleepless nights and you'll be pulling your hair out and getting them over the, getting them over the line. It's really the most satisfying thing. Yeah. But then other ones where... You almost hitting the ideal place straight away, or within the first three or four properties that you show, and you can see it in the client's face, and uh, and everything. You know, they're just happy. Well, they're, they're they're so I don't know if there's any one that's my uh, the, the, my favorite sale, but okay, that's fair enough. And then, what's your number one tip for buying in Valencia? Uh, come quick. Yeah, there's not a lot left. Don't listen near this, this noise, for example, coming behind us. Yeah. But come quick, why? Come quick, because there, well, there's not a lot left, is there? It's getting less and less. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I was actually speaking with Dave this morning, and he says it's been ringing agents the last few days for stuff that's re- that's available, supposedly. Yeah. They say, no, that sold months ago, but I've got nothing else. Yeah, so they're online. They keep it up. They beat yeah. the podcast. And therefore, it's like most of the things that you see on the list are now, they're not available. And and that's a bit weird. Yeah, especially considering it already says there's only what five thousand properties available. Four thousand eight hundred now. All yeah. right, well, we reckon it's about two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In reality, yeah, yeah. Last question: Do you enjoy what you do? Yes, a lot. And that's no. not just because you're here in front of me. Uh, <laughs> no, I do. I love it. I just been. You know my background. You know I used to work late nights and uh, all these kind of things. I got this opportunity, and uh, it's been like a hundred and eighty degree. Mm-hmm. About turning my quality of life. That's good. Everything. Everything about it. Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, like I said. That's Which is why you have the sleepless nights, though, not just the small kids. Pardon? Well, it's why you have the sleepless nights, because you actually care about what you do. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, yeah. But the small kids out, because they can, you're awake and you can think about it for now. Not there, so the sleep by days. <laughs> but no, I mean, we I th- we all care. You know, you can see it happen when we're in our group chats. Everyone, it's not like we're just yeah. here for the money. Yeah, exactly. You know? Okay, perfect. Thanks for that, Paul. No worries. So we hope you enjoyed that. That was uh, David, Gavin and Paul. 
And now it's time for part three of our series on the Spanish financial crisis and Valencia property in our series of Valencia Stories. Today we're going to talk about what happened as the Spanish property market came roaring back after the financial crisis of 2008. The truth is, it didn't start roaring for quite a while. Quite a few years because of the effects of the financial crisis and the situation it left as we discussed last week. It was very much a whimper for five or six years. But from 2014 onwards, things started to warm up until they were turbocharged by a little-known thing you may have heard of called COVID in 2020. The first thing that gave the market a push was the rise of Airbnb and other short-term rental platforms, as we mentioned in the last podcast. The ability to rent out a room initially to travellers in the tradition of couch surfing meant that people could make a little extra if they lived in a desirable area. However, with the rise of Airbnb, everywhere became desirable. People were sick of having to stay in hotels for periods of more than a few days and preferred living like a local, as Airbnb called it. As there were no restrictions in place in terms of laws stopping whole apartments and houses from getting rented out, very quickly people realised that rather than being inconvenienced by other people living in their house and renting a room, whole individual units could be rented out. And when the prices of those places are reduced by 50-60% to 60%, or sometimes more because of the financial crisis, from the peak of the market, anyone who had money or access to credit was able to ride the wave of renting out places for anything from a few days to a few weeks to a much more discerning tourist type. The big lie of Airbnb, live like a local, because it is a total lie, was very attractive. As it became more and more popular, in many places it actually forced the locals out, as whenever a property in the most popular places came up for sale, Somebody bought it for use as an Airbnb, meaning there were fewer and fewer locals to base your stay on. However, what we all loved about Airbnb and others, Booking.com for example, VRBO, was that it meant being able to travel and not have to book a hotel without access to a kitchen, anywhere to relax apart from sitting on a bed in the vanilla hotel room and being forced to eat out all the time or eat hotel food. When you could go to the local markets or supermarkets and then cook at home, it was a much better travel experience. However, it ruined a lot of property markets by making them ultra expensive for the locals. Look at Barcelona, Florence, Venice, Amsterdam, and even places like Krakow and Tallinn. Airbnb was turbocharged by continually low interest rates. Euribor was just above 0% from 2012 onwards, and it was in negative territory from 2015. This meant that banks who would lend could lend at fixed rates around or even under 2% and still make money, as they were getting money from central banks who printed it essentially free in order to support the economy. If you had a good income and could prove affordability, then the banks were happy to lend to you. And if you could get a fixed rate mortgage, then you knew that you wouldn't have the surprises of the rising interest rates in the future. This interest rate scenario along with the rising prices of rentals due to a reduction in supply as more rental properties moved into Airbnb, created an increase in demand for buying property. As rental prices rose and interest rates remained low, then the idea of buying rather than renting was even more tempting. If your rent was around €700, Euros, but living in a comparable place would cost you €400 Euros on a mortgage, then the bank of mum and dad were willing to help to find the down payment needed to get a place when they could. And as those people wanting to buy were competing with those looking to have an investment for Airbnb, prices continued to be pushed up. Then Covid happened. Covid was a major shock worldwide in terms of property. 
Most people, myself included, predicted a de decrease in demand, lowering of prices and a stop in the property market. How wrong we were. Yes, I'll own that mistake. There was a chip in people's minds that was changed due to COVID. And I don't say this in a Bill Gates is trying to control us with microchips in the vaccines way. What I mean is that people started to appreciate things they hadn't before. And the quality and size of the space they lived in was one of those things. Light, outside space, views and gardens became more of a premium thing to look for rather than just location. Of course, location remains key, but it's one of many considerations now, not just the main and only consideration. The suburbs became more of a thing in Spain, and commutes, if required, were no longer considered an imposition. We'll talk about that later though when we get into remote working. Just like everywhere though, post-Covid, everyone wanted more space. Whether it was garden, a large terrace, an extra bedroom, an office room or study room, the race for space post-2020 was real. You need to appreciate the necessary brutality of the lockdown in Spain. If you're here, you'll know about the three months at home with only one member of the family leaving home and only to do necessary shopping once a week for an hour. You'll know about online teaching and learning, remote working becoming normal and more. People found out that their homes weren't suitable for this new way of living, and as they had plenty of time, they started looking online for a new home. Property portals became homepages for many during COVID. Once we opened up a bit from June 2020, the market went crazy, and the truth is, it hasn't stopped since. One of the reasons for this is the surge in online and remote working. It was proved during COVID that for a lot of professions and jobs, you don't need to go to an office to do that work. You can be just as or even more effective, efficient and happy working from home, as long as your home environment allows you to work well. And as this is an international phenomena, it affects the property market in Valencia and elsewhere. This was especially the case at the start of 2022, when the message coming out of the Netherlands, for example, to everyone was remote home working is the new normal. And as we've said before, why have a small, thin, tiny apartment in Amsterdam when for the same price you can buy a large penthouse in Valencia or a large villa with pool in the suburbs? As long as your internet connection is fast, then it makes no difference if you are working 1km, 1000km or 10,000km away from your workplace. And this is just as true for workers from the States and Canada too. The last factor we're going to look into as regards demand increasing in the property market is that of political instability. Whether it's a war in Ukraine, terrorism in Israel, or terrorism of Israel, Brexit, yes, I mentioned the B word, an orange shit gibbon in the States, Argentinian madness, the fear of authoritarianism in Hungary or Turkey, or the rise of the far right in Germany and Holland, then Spain is seen as a safe haven and an attractive option. We get refugees from all of these situations to a greater or lesser extent. As mentioned in an earlier podcast and on the blog, 45% of our clients last year were from the States. And the greater the fear of the return of the dictator Trump, the more refugees we get. We had never had Turkish clients until Erdogan won the latest election, Hungary similarly with Orban. We now await the formation of a government in the Netherlands, and if Wilders becomes Prime Minister, then an exodus from there too. So there you have it. What has happened in the Spanish and Valencian property markets over the last 25 years, the years that correspond to the existence of Valencia property. It's why we stay relevant and the number one agency for foreign clients looking to come into Valencia. Not only are we aware of what is going on in the market, we know our history and we know what people are looking for. 
If you think that you might like working with the most experienced team around in property in Valencia, then contact us and we can work with you too. It might be that we tell you that what you're looking for no longer exists, but we won't waste your time or hours by taking you to see something totally unsuitable. In any case, we look forward to hearing from you. You can contact us on information at valencia-property.com and we look forward to seeing you shortly after that. Finally then, what more do you need to know? Well, just like we said last month, we're not going to do any recommendations this month. The recommendation will always be the same. Make sure to bookmark our homepage, valencia-property.com, because we update it regularly. Our blog comes out every Monday, though it didn't last week due to the fire. It's still one of the largest repositories of information about the Valencia property market you are likely to find online. And we are posting content daily on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, Mastodon, and all of the other social media sites to bring you back to our home at Valencia Property so you can get your home in Valencia. And that's it for this month. Remember, we're always available for consultations and questions. And if you have any questions, then send us a mail to information at valencia-property.com. You never know, we might even feature it on future episodes when we do our next FAQ. Meanwhile, it's March 2024. It's Fias, which is the big fiesta in Valencia and we will be totally closing down for the week between the 14th and the 19th of March. Isn't it about time you started planning your Valencia property purchase? Get in touch and let's get working together. But don't bother between the 14th and 19th. We're closed. This is Graham saying goodbye from the Valencia Property Podcast. <laughs>